0: You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church, to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church, to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode.
1: Hello and welcome back to The Worship Review, your favorite Christian podcast. My name is Tyler. I am a linguist, a former leader of music in churches. And I'm joined by my co-host, Colin.
2: Hello, I'm Colin. I get paid money to read old things and then write new things about the old
1: things. It's a fitting job for someone as old as you. (laughs) And today we're taking a look at Great Things by Phil Wickham. Phil Wickham has been examined. His music has been examined on this podcast before. He, Colin, do you remember which songs of his we've done?
2: I remember more about his clothing than I do about the songs that we looked at because he had this white T-shirt. You know, this over, this too simple outfit, and we commented on it. Uh, but I don't remember what the songs
1: were called or even what they were. Longtime listeners will remember our review of his song called "Living Hope" uh, from very early on in this fourth series. Uh, but today we're taking a look at a different song. It's, Colin, what would you say this song is about?
2: Well, it's a song that really follows the title. It's a song which says, God has done some great things. Here are some great things that God has done. And that, that's, that's kind of, that's, I would say that's the main gist of the song. Pretty much, God's done great
1: things, and here are a few of them. Well, Colin, I have to say that already sounds better to me than a song that says God has done great things and just leaves it at that, because we've seen some of
2: those. Yeah, that does happen from time to time. Uh, yeah, well, obviously we go back often to 10,000 reasons, which is like six reasons, which is you know, still pretty good. But you know, talk about over-promising, you've got to set expectations a bit better than that.
1: That's true. Let's take a look at some of these lyrics. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at his feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how his love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great things.
2: Yeah, there's an expectation here that is set out, if the title of the song didn't set it out already, that there's going to be a recounting of great things. There are great things, and these are things that have to do with. Christ, uh, love overcoming now something. we there's just overcomes is left without a without like the, the the capstone on that concept. He just says see how his love overcomes and then there's just not you know overcomes what but 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 presumably right this might be explained later because really the, the this verse doesn't have to necessarily say what the great things are. It's just saying, we're going to worship God, uh, he's done great things, and these are things that Christ has done as Savior, this have something to do with his love, and presumably we're going to get treated to those great things momentarily. Yes,
1: and we are about to. I like that this song is using a biblical and theologically sound language to talk about Christ. So we learn that um, he's king, and we learn that he is the savior. So we have two different titles that scripture gives him. Uh, and, yep. of course, we would affirm he is, of course, our king, the, uh, the grand monarch of the universe, and also the savior, the one who has uh, rescued his people. And, yeah, his love overcomes. I agree with you. That line is a little bit vague, I guess um we we might ask what exactly is overcome but uh if if we were to just say see how his love conquers or see how his love succeeds i think we could say we're identifying that his love is a a victor of sorts a winner of sorts and so hopefully through the Mm -hmm. rest of the song we'll we'll get some clarification of what the love is overcoming i would imagine if we can supply here uh theoretically that it overcomes our sin or our uh, human frailty or our wickedness to draw us to him what would you think about that colin
2: yeah that's definitely a possibility and that would be true some folks also might think this means like overcoming satan or overcoming uh e- external things that are outside of our sin so whether it's satan's power or circumstances i mean it's 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 quite open to what it could be and all of those things would be true but not everything could be true like not not all possibilities of what his love overcomes would be true so again you just you kind of have to hope that the song is going to nail it down a little bit or at least draw some even if it doesn't identify a particular thing it overcomes that the song will at least set some boundaries that are within what scripture provides, and not just leave us here with this. Because if it
1: did, that could be an issue. Yeah, with something open-ended like this, we might say everything is possible, but not everything is beneficial, so to speak. And I do think we're about to find out what overcoming means in the next line. O hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. O God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. O Jesus our Savior, your name lifted high. O God, you have done great things.
2: So it's interesting that you pointed out in the verse that we have two biblical titles for Jesus, King and Savior. And this chorus begins with what we might call an extra-biblical title, Hero of Heaven. But it's not necessarily – it's extra-biblical, but I don't know if we could say that it's unbiblical if we think of biblical as kind of the spirit and intent of Scripture, because Jesus is a heroic figure. He is of heaven or from heaven we might say uh the, the uh, heaven you know another a Christmas song does this hail the heaven-born prince of peace so uh, uh this is not a crazy title I'm just saying it's you know it's, it, it does break with the previous two titles but it, it's it's a reasonable one Jesus is a hero and then yeah we get some as you alluded to earlier we get some definition as to, what Christ's love overcomes or conquers. I like that you used the word conquer. He conquers the grave. Uh, so, and in doing that, he does some other things too. So, so Christ is raised from the dead and he uh, frees every captive and breaks every chain. Now, actually, maybe we should stop there and we, we might talk about that line because I don't have a problem with the first line. This line... So we, we have to go with what's here, and it's every captive and every chain. Now, if this is talking about every captive that Jesus saves, then that is true, or every chain that was upon those who Jesus saves, that is true. But obviously, it well, not obviously, it seems to me that a person could also interpret this as just every as everybody. Well, well. If that's the case, this I think is a problem. Do you think so, Tyler?
1: Yeah, and I I was thinking this was indicating or reminding one of Acts chapter twelve, where Peter is captive and in chains, uh, and through a miraculous act of God, he is saved. Uh, and mm-hmm. it would, you know, I think for, if if we were uh, limiting the scope of this, um liberation we would say for the individual every chain was broken any any hindrance was um torn away uh so that this person could be reconciled to god um when we talk about every captive i think we we do stray into an area that uh, is open to a universal kind of salvation which i don't think uh, scripture uh, warrants quite clearly. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, and there, scripture is pretty good at dealing with terms like all and every. So, like, take something like Psalm 128, verse 1, which says, blessed is everyone. Oh, no, Oh, there's a little bit more. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. So, um, God's liberation, to use the word you used, or, or the freedom that God gives, is particular. It is uh, aimed at particular people, and it does not include everybody. We see that throughout Scripture. We see it in the words of Christ. We see it in Paul's epistles. We see it in the Psalms. We see it in uh, the history of Israel. So God saves some, and he does not save others. And all worship music that worships God... In a way that's consistent with Scripture, will recognize this in some way, and will will try to avoid any language that suggests otherwise.
1: And you could do this pretty quickly by saying, the Scriptures talk about some that will not be saved, some that will that that are wicked, that go down to Sheol, that go down to the grave, that um, suffer the Gehenna of fire. And I think if you accept that, which I, I don't know why we would not accept that if if, if uh, scripture teaches it.
2: If you don't accept that, you don't accept scripture. Exactly.
1: So if you can accept that, then th- therefore it follows logically that not all will be saved. So yeah, uh, I think that it leaves the door open to that. Um, I would say, what did you think about this? Your name lifted high. Uh, I I thought there might be a, a kind of double entendre going here where, or maybe a triple, I mean, you know how scripture works. Sometimes things from very old Testament will echo several times throughout scripture, but your name lifted high. This in the most literal sense would mean your name elevated or glorified or magnified. Um, but also when Christ was crucified uh, above him, was written a title, a kind of a name of him, the king of the Jews. And furthermore, um, even as early as Numbers, in chapter 21, I'm sure people have heard this uh, before. Um, the Israelites were being impatient and grumpy, and they spoke against God and against Moses, and they said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread, there's no water, and we detest this miserable food, referring to the manna from heaven. Then God sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. Uh, And then they repent, and then the Lord's solution is to tell Moses, make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. And when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. Many see this as a kind of precursor or an image of what Christ will be to his people uh, centuries before he comes. And when I think of Christ's name lifted high, I, I see, I guess, two different things at the same time. Yes, the kind of elevation of his name through praise, but also the very literal, very physical um, historical lifting high of Christ on the cross that was spoken about before his birth and afterward, do you think that's reasonable, Colin, or do you think I'm making too much of a few words?
2: Um, no, I think that I think that's i don't think that's unreasonable. I don't know whether that's what's intended, but I don't think what you've said is unreasonable. Hmm. I mean, there is the The more simple meaning of elevated or lifted as in the sense of, uh, may your name be given a high position, like may your
1: name be held in esteem? Well, I I mean, there's also prophecy like Isaiah 52, right? Uh, My servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. I think that's kind of what you're speaking to there, um, where lifted up can just mean exalted or uh, elevated stature. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's curious that what did you think of this line? We dance in your freedom. So that's the kind of freedom that Colin <laughs> likes. It's uh, it's got a, a wall around it. Yes. Um, we dance in it, and then we are awake. That is not sleeping, and alive. That is not dead. This freedom is
2: safely in East Berlin. <laughs> it is. Uh, it, it's nice because yeah, you you identify it. It's not just freedom. But it's a, this is a freedom as a state of being, by the way. So in freedom and in your freedom. So the freedom that is of God, which I think is really, really nice. I think that's a good way to to describe it. I don't, you know, some people get hung up on the idea of dancing, maybe. and you know, we've talked about this before. like it's at least awkward to be singing that you're doing something, which you're not doing. I, I, so, you know, I'm not saying a song can't say that we dance and, you know, have to say probably probably some churches when they sing this song, they are dancing, you know, or or many people are, are dancing in some way. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like this. I, I'm okay with this. And I also like what follows after it, because we dance in your freedom awake and alive. Now, I don't think what Wickham means here is that, like, he might be actually asleep, but I think he's drawing on biblical language in the New Testament of uh, sleep being associated with death, and so being awake and alive is, is kind of redundant, I think. It's a way of saying that Christ has not not necessarily raised us from the dead yet, but has waken us up from the death of uh, trespasses and sins. Something like what Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter two. That may be may, that may be inserting something in here, but at least that's where my mind went when I read that line. So I was okay with it. I don't know, Tyler. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I like it. I, it's it's creative use of language for sure. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. I have no no issue with it. One other thing I'd like to say about this um, freeing every captive and breaking every chain is that um, when Jesus is um, preaching at Nazareth where he had been raised, he uh, opens his um, ministry there uh, on the Sabbath day by unrolling the scroll of Isaiah and reading this passage. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he says, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So uh, in in a very true sense, uh, Jesus uh, did come, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and liberty to uh, those who are oppressed. Hmm. Period. Indeed. Okay. Um, You've been faithful through every storm. You'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things, and I know you will do it again, for your promise is, quote, yes and amen, end quote, for you will do great things. God, you do great things.
2: Okay, so this is the first time a worship song has ever talked about a storm. (laughs) <laughs> Very impressive, of course, no. This is like the thousandth time that a that a song is used to storm, which okay, that okay, fine. it's it's a common metaphor. It's a biblical metaphor in the sense that we have Christ calming the storm, for example, this is something that shows up in the Bible. so it 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 kind of becomes fair game in Christian circles. and broadly speaking, even outside of Christian circles, the idea of a storm as being a metaphor for tumult of some kind, emotional tumult, tumult in life, is a well-trodden trope. And so it's not unreasonable to use it. It's it's just cliche, that's all. I will say it would be nice if Wickham would explain what every storm is.
1: I think this is going to be another one of those... Uh examples where um, you, you want a lot more clarification as to what the storm means, which I think is fair. Um, I'm content to not know exactly what storm means. And when I just read it on its face, it looks perfectly fine to me. You've been faithful mm-hmm. through every storm. You'll be faithful forevermore. If a storm is a literal storm, like a rainstorm or a windstorm oh, yeah, or a sure. snowstorm or even a firestorm, God is faithful through that and will be faithful forevermore. If it's trials of life, um, God is faithful through that and will be faithful forevermore. So um, I'm okay with maybe this unspecified metaphor.
2: Yeah, okay. I mean, I suppose it'd be, ch- maybe or Maybe a listener can tell us if there's some interpretation of storm which would make it untrue that God's been faithful <laughs> through it. So I see what you're saying. Like Maybe anything that maybe this is one of those rare circumstances where even an unlimited meaning for storm would not necessarily create a theological or biblical problem here.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like there's an infinite and unbounded set of squares. Like if you just square integers, Um, well, you're never going to run out of integers Um, Mm -hmm. that is going to go on, you know, infinitely. But at the same time, it'll always be true that a member of that set is, you know, a perfect square.
2: So I accept that. I accept that. Um, I I do like though this idea that God will always be faithful. So He um, He introduces time. You will be faithful forevermore. So you will be faithful in the future, and that of course follows the you've been faithful. So we've got faithfulness in the past and faithfulness in the future. So this is a nice uh, way to talk about the infinite faithfulness of God.
1: Yeah, it's kind of amazing. There's three different verb tenses here. We have the past tense, you have done great things. And then the future tense, you will do great things, followed by the present tense, God, you do great things. So it seems like Phil Wickham is uh, praising the past, present, and future God, uh, one and the same. Uh, for great things i guess my my the only bone i have to pick is this your promise is yes and amen um just because it just seems it seems like a weird phrasing to me but um second corinthians 120 uh i'll read it in the new international version and i think we can get a good idea of what what he's saying Mm -hmm. Um, for no matter how many promises god has made they are yes in christ and so, through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Yeah. That makes it very clear. Now, the translations that I'm used to reading use it differently. So, I guess I didn't catch, up, catch this um, uh, phrase here. The English Standard Version says, For all the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen, amen to God for his glory praying in Jesus' name. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Okay, hallelujah, God, above it all, hallelujah, God, unshakable, hallelujah, you have done great things.
2: Yep, all these things are true. And we've talked before about the meaning of hallelujah, although I guess it was a long time ago. It was way back in the first series when we talked about Bethel's song, Raise a Hallelujah. And we, I think in that podcast, you talked about the meaning of hallelujah. So, I mean, I don't know if anyone wants a refresher or not.
1: Short and the is, it means, hey, you guys, Praise God. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> and which we found funny at the time because raise a hallelujah is was almost like redundant because it's like let's 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 praise God or something. It was kind of a funny <laughs> way to think about it. Um so yeah, uh God is above it all. Don't know what it all is, but maybe this is just like every storm where it doesn't really matter what it all is, because God is above it in a sense. Like God is over all things. Yeah. So, okay, fine.
1: Um, Colin, he's so over you at this point. (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's true. He's above it all in the sense that he is higher, he is nobler, he is more perfect. Yeah,
2: that's, I I think that- Greater in glory. Very reasonable way to take this based on everything that's been said so far in the song. Unshakable is an interesting word. And you think about Biblical language about God as a firm foundation or as a fortress or even like the idea of mountains, which again, all this is metaphorical language that we see in scripture. Now, again, the song does not say mountains, fortress, foundation, but the idea of being unshakable, that is a biblical idea. I mean, in the Psalms, there are are several places where the psalmist will talk about the earth shaking and yet, God being uh, again a fortress or a city or a mountain, something like that.
1: He's not the one causing it to shake, even too.
2: Yes, yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's just that the, the earth shakes. Yeah, that's true.
1: I, I like that he is uh, highest, he's above all things. I think this gets at his perfection that he's unshakable, that not just that he's uh, maybe. Quite reliable, but that he he cannot be shaken, and that could be yeah, that could mean that his foundation is secure. But I think that can also mean he's not going to be intimidated by anything either. Like you can imagine an unshakable soldier or something like that, mm-hmm. um, who's going to be resolute in the pursuit of a goal. Yeah, and then once again, this is all undergirded by the assertion, uh, true assertion that he has done. Great things. Yeah.
2: This is uh, a... uh, It's clear that the song... I mean, I'm kind of getting into concluding concluding thoughts here, but it does seem that the song delivers on talking about the great things that God has done. And it's nice because Wickham sets up just a plural, great things. So as long as he describes two of them, he's delivered. It would have been a silly thing if Wickham would have said 10,000 great things, because... He, he he doesn't say ten thousand things, but you know he's got like maybe I don't know, not quite ten, but probably more than five great things in this song.
1: Let's count them out. Uh, Conquered the grave, free every captive, break every chain.
2: Yeah, his love has overcome something.
1: His love has overcome. So that's four so far. Been faithful through every storm. That's at least five.
2: <laughs> uh, that's probably about it. As far as things done,
1: yeah, specific things done. I think there's a lot of assertions of his character.
2: There are other, there are lots of attributes in here, but those are the things done. Okay, so, you know, more than five, less than 10. Let's just kind of put the range on that. Pretty good. Yes.
1: And I, I'm kind of surprised that you like the song so much. It doesn't mention sin, Colin. You don't, you like songs that mention sin.
2: Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> Don't hear me say that I like this song so much. I'm just saying that the song delivered the song delivered on its own okay. criteria that it set. Now if if we step further outside of that, yes, I agree with you or I agree with your stereotype of my uh approach to songs. I I appreciate that this song has a pretty clear declaration of the gospel, or a reasonably clear declaration of the gospel. This is not absolutely essential in a worship song, but it's nice when a song actually crosses the threshold and says some things about Christ being raised again again, uh, and calls Christ Savior. I think these are good things. It doesn't talk about sin, you're right, so we don't have a sense of what Was rescued, and I think there is a missed opportunity with the overcome language. I think it would have been nice to nail that down a bit, so the song had a little bit more scope. But then again, somebody could say, "Well, it's kind of nice that a lot of this stuff is open-ended because it's all still true." God, God's love does overcome anything, or can overcome anything. And uh, but you know, I do, I do like a bit more, I do like a bit more definition. Uh, I don't like things to be so fuzzy.
1: Yeah, there are, there, are some, there are many great, many. There are four or five specific great things that are mentioned here. Uh, perhaps most notable, I guess maybe the greatest of the great, is clearly this conquering of the grave um, mm-hmm. because it is a supernatural feat of um, tremendous power. And of course, the freeing every captive and breaking every chain flow from that christ resurrected um uh, also uh shares his resurrection with us we share in his his death and resurrection yeah i guess that's that's the most specific mention of a great thing um and then there are i i like that phil wickham is looking to the future also so not just finding fulfillment not merely finding fulfillment in what was done but also assurance and trust and hope for the things to come, which he also says are great things. So um, yeah, I think, I think it's a good song.
2: I don't feel like I'm asking for more when the song couldn't provide it. So I will say, I don't know, like one of the criticisms I'll sometimes levy at my students when they write a 2,000-word paper and they don't say much in the paper, or they say some things, but sometimes I'll say, well, look, you had 2,000 words, like – you could have, instead of circling around something or instead of providing some, a lot of adverbs or just a lot of prepositional phrases or just a lot of extra material, if you cleaned up your essay, you could have squeezed in another 100 or 200 words on something of substance where you go into more detail about something. So I, I suppose that would be my criticism with the song. Is not that it says much that's problematic? Although I do think this uh, "you free every captive and break every chain" is a problem. But I do with the th- with the rest of the song, which is not really all that problematic. There could have been there could have
1: been some more some more detail given. And I mean, we've interpreted chains as being chains of captivity, but of course, um, if I have a chain of gold that I wear for style, I obviously don't want that to be broken. Yeah, so.
2: and it would be kind um, of rude of God to break that. It would, that giant dollar sign that's hanging from the chain that you wear would fall right off.
1: Yes, well, that, that's the one I wear on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. On Tuesdays and Thursdays, I wear my clock one. So, Colin, what did you give this song?
2: <laughs> I gave this song three out of five chorus pedals. Okay. So, it did... I was, uh, I was unsure as to whether to let that one line break this song, uh, below the threshold of the three. And in the end, I thought, well, I'm okay with the rest of it. And, you know, in the live performance I saw, Chris Wickham wasn't wearing that white T-shirt, so I just thought, okay, we'll give him a three. <laughs> Ch- chorus pedals, because if you listen closely in the song, you can pick out a, a little bit of guitar. And it's interesting, because the song is in a style which is a a kind of modern contemporary style you know it's post 2000 or so year 2000 style and yet there's this guitar in there that is straight out of the 80s and it's got this 80s chorus that sounds like a boss chorus pedal which were the chorus pedals a lot of rock and roll guitarists were using in the 80s so gave it 3 out of 5 chorus pedals (laughs) What about you, Tyler?
1: I am going to try and be very consistent here. This is about a 10,000 Reasons level song for me. Um, and that's why I think this is going to be oddly reminiscent of that discussion. Because you, Colin, gave that song a three, and I gave it a four. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to repeat that trend today. I think this is a four. Okay. So I'm going to give it a four out of five psychedelic trips. And that's because the video for the song... On YouTube, I guess the music video, the one with the most, um, or sorry, not music video, the official lyric video uh, looks like either you are kind of on some kind of psychedelic trip through the universe or looking through a kaleidoscope or both.
2: Well, you, you assume a psychedelic trip, right, Tyler, unless you need to share with me some information.
1: People use this word all the time, um, and people use the phrase, that was a trip. Um, all the time.
2: It's funny. Christians don't care as much about those words as much as some of them do. If you say that you were lucky or fortunate, they're like, Oh my goodness, you should not say that. In <laughs> fact, even "Oh my goodness, some Christians don't like that one or gosh, but, um, yeah. psychedelic or trip, these are perfectly fine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's because people aren't so introspective about their language usage as they could be. Um, cause I think if you say that that's, you were lucky. Um, yeah, if, if someone learns, for example, that they are not supposed to believe in luck, then every time they hear that word, they're gonna go around. But like, I don't think people connect that was a trip with no with psychedelic. If
2: you're really clever truth. at your Christianese, you just say, "Oh, I'm so blessed." Use <laughs> use that word.
1: Yeah, but that kind of vapidity just sucks all the fun out of language. I agree. Me, let's just find the most milk toast way to communicate possible. Yeah. I f***ing agree Thank you listeners for tuning into this episode of The Worship Review And we look forward to Joining you again next week Take care
0: Bye You've been listening to The Worship Review Please subscribe to the podcast Leave a comment Or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com We accept donations at Anchor FM slash theworshipreview And patreon.com slash theworshipreview Thanks for listening And we'll see you next week